0: This is First Up on TSN 1050.
1: You first, you're last.
2: It's the fourth hour of First Up here on TSN 1050. Great track. Such a great track to get on, you moving on a Monday, man. <laughs> Wait, yes. this is a Dire Straits song, Chrissy? Is that right? Yes. Great stuff. That was part of all the Let, Let it sing. Woo! Yes. Well, on Saturday night, I don't know if they played any dire straights at the Tickled Toad, but I'm sure over the years it's been played. And I was stunned to see you post something on Instagram yesterday. At the Toad, my old watering hole when I was maybe home from university, because that's up in my old stomping grounds. What, like Bathurst and Steels? And you were up there doing a Leafs alumni event, Coco. Did mm-hmm. you you know, pass by all the Aaron Korolnik statues in the area? What was going on there? No, I wish I would have known about
0: it. Well, Molson <laughs> um, was throwing a watch party for the Maple Leafs, and um, it was uh, my turn to attend. And this was like my, my fourth or fifth one attending this year because they do it all across the city. And these are fun things to go to. You see real Leaf fans show up, um, great food, um, great places, The the – the the is it Tickled Toad is the what Tickled it's Toad. Yeah. Cra- it, 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 pretty pretty unique spot. name. But it, it was an unbelievable spot. It really is. If anybody hasn't been there, I highly suggest you go. They got great food, great staff. And uh you know, you're we there cheering on the the maple leafs and you know in a game where most people probably predicted that they would win just by showing up, but uh Clearly, the Montreal Canadiens had a, a a different response to that because they found a way to come back from two nothing down. Like not just a game that they were leading and had like the Leafs were up two nothing in that game and just just decided to mail it in. You said it best. They probably had too many Shen shows in the middle of the intermission saying, "Oh yeah, let's get the party started, boys. Give me some <laughs> of those hot dogs." And um, they uh, they let one get away from them. Um, and and they did it's indeed. obviously it's obviously one that. You know, Sheldon Keith wasn't happy about. The players weren't happy about. But now they need to. Sh- they need. They need to go out and show how ha- how unhappy they were by. You know, they got a game tonight against the Islanders and need um, a big bounce back game. That's As sure.
2: someone who is on record not being a big-time supporter of the Montreal Canadiens, that would be yours truly. I have a couple of friends, some of whom you know, who are huge Hap fans. Mm. and They're like, Bedard is going to tear up the NHL in Montreal for the next 20 years, which may indeed be the case. But there's no way any Montreal Canadiens fans watching that game on Saturday night is happy with the result. I mean, Montreal, before the game, they're like, all right, Caulfield, Time for some shoulder surgery. You're done for the year. And that was the waving the white flag, right? Like, it's over. We are going in the tank. It's time. And when you win a game like that, I mean, every point is valuable. Like, every percentage point, when you're talking about Arizona and Anaheim and Columbus and Montreal and Philadelphia, all those bottom dwellers who are looking for that franchise-changing moment, winning the lottery and getting Connor Bedard, I mean... It's significant. So, you know, say what you will about that win for the Montreal Canadiens. But in many respects, that's a loss for the Montreal Canadiens. And I get it. The players, the coaches, they don't care. But every Habs fan, I was with some Habs fans on Saturday night. They wanted, they were cheering for the lease in the power play late in yeah, the third. They're like, come on, come on, please. We don't yeah. want this point. So Even at one point would have been a mistake. The thing I want that's to ask the right you. mentality. That's the right mentality if you are a Canadiens fan, and I think the same can be said about Raptors fans who saw the Raptors beat the Knicks yesterday. That's bad. That's yeah. not a good thing. Go win. We're looking yeah. for losses here, people. So the
0: thing I want to ask you is, like, do Montreal Canadiens fans want to be the Edmonton Oilers and just be the team that wins every draft lottery? Like, at some point, there has to be, you know, a, a level of credibility here where you know the 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 canadians they went through their tank last year they got rewarded the first overall pick you shouldn't get rewarded a, a first overall pick a second year in a row like the edmonton Toilers got 3 and 5 years with their group and they still Four haven't been able years, to yeah. and they still haven't been able to win anything like to me that's a disgrace well i mean they have a, if, if, it's a draft
2: lottery i mean there's no no you know, i just, get it like i get NFL. it but what i'm
0: saying is okay so uh, look hear me out okay so The Toronto Maple Leafs go through their tank. They get the first overall pick, and they get rewarded with their first overall pick. They do what you're supposed to do when you get the first overall pick. How many teams have gotten the first overall pick and have still not been able to turn a franchise around with it? The Montreal Canadiens got their first overall pick last year. They don't deserve
2: another first overall pick this year. I mean deserve it's not about deserving it's about having the lottery balls fall in the right direction that's pretty much it and, whether and or not whether or not an NHL team should be able to win the lottery in consecutive years is a different conversation Right. But, I mean the way the rules are right now the, the Montreal Canadiens if they finish with the worst record will have a 17.8% chance or whatever it is to win the Connor Bedard sweepstakes and I think you mentioned Edmonton even Toronto winning the Austin Matthews lottery Bedard like this is a significant thing. This is not Slavkovsky or Shane Wright or Juracek last year. I mean, this is Connor Bedard, a transcendent franchise superstar player, yeah. perhaps as early as next year. So that's why these wins and losses are a little bit different than in past years. I, I Look, I totally understand understand the landscape behind all this. I'm just
0: saying that as a fan of the game, I don't want to see the same team get rewarded a first overall pick in consecutive years. You had your pick. You had your chance at the number one pick. You drafted your player. Now it's somebody else's turn. Like people say like they want to see him end up in Chicago. I don't want to see him end up in Chicago. You know why? Because Chicago went through the rebuild a decade ago, they got their first overall pick, they got the top picks, they won three Stanley Cups for it. Now you want to you want to let them recycle that same generation? I don't want to see that. I want to see a team like Philly get a first overall pick. In that market. I want to see a team like Columbus get a first overall pick. Cause say what you want about Columbus small market team. That team is turning into a sports town. That team supports this team. That team has never had a first overall. Well, they did. I should say that they had Rick, Nash Rick, Rick Nash back yeah. in the day, but they were a pathetic franchise back then. I just, to me, like that's where I want to see them end up. I don't want to see them end up on the West Coast.
2: Well, no. And they never get to chest the test that's, to that's, watch. That's the, problem. that's the problem with McDavid in many respects. As great as he is and the numbers he's putting up on the East Coast here, I mean, I don't know. How much McDavid are you watching unless you're staying up really late? And mm-hmm. it's just kind of unfortunate. But, I mean, listen, I don't think it's up to anybody unless Gary Bettman wants to pull a David Stern in 1985 with Patrick Ewing and rig the lottery for Connor Bedard. Mm-hmm. Uh, it remains to
1: be seen. Well, if
0: if 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 Gary Bettman's ever going to rig the lottery, he's going to rig it for Arizona because there's <laughs> there there's 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 something out there that people there there's beliefs out there that he has a small stake in that team. Why he wants to keep it in Arizona wow. as much as he does.
2: <laughs> you know, I, what mean, I mean, that, that like, would make sense. There's got to be something. It's not just a coincidence. Here, anymore.
0: Arizona, we're giving you a franchise player. Sign the deal on your new arena. You got Connor Bedard. You get your new arena. We can finally end this whole debate about hockey in Arizona.
2: So um, we know this is just the situation in the NHL with regards to Connor Bedard and the race to the bottom, which Montreal may very well have started. And right now, Montreal has the sixth worst record and the seventh worst record in the NHL. Wow. So they're not even close. And the Columbus at the bottom with 30 points, Anaheim 31, Chicago 32. In the NBA, the Raptors are right there. And the, the situation is a little bit different in the NBA where if the Raptors were to finish with the sixth worst record, which is they are tied for the sixth worst record in the NBA right now with Washington. They would have an, almost a 9% chance at number one and a 34.7% chance at a top four pick. So the lottery structure is a little bit different. At the beginning of the season, no one would have imagined this to be a possibility for the Raptors. I believe their over-under win total was 47.5 or Mm -hmm. something like that. So we went back in the archives, and we found our interview with Bobby Webster before the season began. And I remember sitting down and preparing for this. Should we ask him about when, Benyam? I mean, the Raptors aren't going to be that bad anyways. This is a waste. But sure, let's figure it out. Here's how the question was phrased to Bobby Webster about the presumptive number one overall pick. Bobby, how much time will you and your staff spend scouting Victor Wenbenyama? The seven foot four French kid, for those who don't know, who's ridiculous. If you haven't seen the highlights, Google him, find him on YouTube. He's going to go number one overall. You guys do have a first round pick. Of course, I don't think you expect to be in the lottery, but do you spend even a second thinking about the possibility maybe there's a way we get Wenbenyama?
1: That's another topic I'm gonna to stay away from. But for all of you basketball fans who don't know who he is, just you know, type in and see what he did in, in early October. He's uh, uh, it'll be good for the NBA.
2: <laughs> That's hilarious. Dude. That's from October the 19th. Yeah. October the 19th. You called it, year, buddy. So. You called it. Oh I didn't call it. Like yeah, you're not going to be in the lottery. Everyone's like, <laughs> what a stupid question. Raptors and Wen Beniyama, it's a realistic possibility. The Raptors embark on a 7-game trip starting on Wednesday, lose every game. Enough mm. winning. Ogn and Obi That ankle looked really debilitating. Take a seat for the next three weeks. Let's get the tank in full order. You're on the road for seven games. Lose them all. Who cares? Like, let's go. Let's get this Wen Benyama sweepstakes heating up here for the Toronto Raptors. Maybe if all things go according to plan, they can get down to like the number four or fifth worst record in the NBA, which improved their odds that much more. Next season, Wen Benyama in Toronto, take him to Le Select Bistro on Wellington, great French restaurant. Can make it happen. There it can is. Make it happen. Matthew Carr, it that's is. his favorite spot. He, yep. will, he will get the wine pairings for Wen Benyama. That's what happens when he will come. In any case. Shane Graham will join us on the other side. He's a longtime NFL kicker. We'll get his thoughts on the Brett Maher situation yesterday with Dallas. And he had an interesting tweet about Patrick Mahomes and what may have transpired at halftime with regards to his injured ankle. That's next on First Up. Shane Graham will join us in a couple of minutes' time. He kicked for 15 years in the National Football League. A very unique perspective into everything that went on with Brett Maher, not only yesterday, but the week prior where he missed four extra points. I'm quite certain that Brett Maher was not devastated that the Dallas Cowboys lost, just so the pressure would be alleviated from his right foot. Okay, it's time. TSN 1050 wants you to be our unofficial correspondent at the Waste Management Open in Arizona. Listen to our show every weekday for the daily Waste Management keyword. I'm going to give it to you right now. Today's keyword is wedge. Wedge. Today's keyword. Tune into Overdrive from 4 to 7 today. They will give a cue to call at some point in the program. When you hear it, call the number they give out. The first caller through with the correct keyword, which is Wedge wins a $100 Golf Town gift card and qualifies for the grand prize draw, which is airfare for two to Scottsdale, Arizona, a four-night hotel stay for two. Two tickets to the Waste Management Open for the closing weekend. $500 Golf Town gift card, a custom full bag fitting at Golf Town's Studio X and five hundred dollars cash to spend on the trip we here on first up will be calling the grand prize winner on friday february the third full contest details at tsn1050.ca so we'll bring shane graham into the conversation in just a moment and the brett maher story coco he's the kicker for the cowboys who missed four Mm -hmm. extra points last week the cowboys brought in this Uh, kicker and the son of the practice squad this week. People were wondering, would they just let Viscayeno? I think his name was Christian Viscayeno kick for the Cowboys. They're going to go back to Maher. Well, they went back to Maher. And before the game, some interesting (laughs) theatrics with Jerry Jones and company. Let's bring a man. It is Shane Graham, 15 years kicking in the NFL. Good morning, Shane. How you doing?
1: I'm doing well, thank you. How are you?
2: Fantastic. Great to have you on the show. Really enjoy your Twitter account, Shane. So I saw some of your tweets over the weekend. I wanted to get you on because I am curious, has an owner on one of the teams that you've played on ever come down to the field before the game to give you a pep talk?
1: <laughs> well, you, you know, I, I've i had relationships with owners where we would have friendly banter and conversation I don't know that I would ever say a pep talk. Um, <laughs> you know, when when I signed with the Atlanta Falcons in 2015, uh, my father passed away on a Tuesday. And on Wednesday, I was rolling around town with my sister, and we were trying to figure out, uh, you know, getting – preparations for his funeral and he had already been in hospice. So we kind of had some things kind of set up anyway. I get a call and I'm told that Matt Bryant got hurt and they wanted to bring me in for a workout. I said, only if I can come home, go to the funeral on Friday and come back and play the game on Sunday. And they said, if that's how it works out, that's what we'll do. So I go in I have a workout on Thursday morning, which is Thanksgiving Day, and I'm two days off of my father passing away, and I win the job. I go have practice that day. They literally fly me back home. I go to the funeral on Friday, and then I drive back, uh, because I was living in Texas at the time, but I was with my family in Virginia, and I drove back to Atlanta, because that's where my vehicle was. It was in Virginia, so I drive back, play the game, make all my kicks. But in pregame, uh, Arthur Blank came up to me and just offered words of encouragement and and told me how much he appreciated my courage and and blah blah blah. Uh, so it was a different situation, but it was uh, but but it was cool for me, you know, to to know that he acknowledged what was going on with me and and yet still. Had faith in me to bring me in to play for them as well
2: yeah that that's a that's a great story, and it shows the human side of some of these owners who are you know looked at as you know, billionaires and heartless individuals, but clearly Arthur blank was someone who um was very respectable of the difficult situation that you were in Shane yeah do you- rec- yes. do you recall a, a period in your career? where you had all eyes on you like Maher did yesterday, missing the four extra points. Obviously, you had your struggles at points during the 15 years you played in the NFL, but anything like yeah, that? Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, n- not to the point where, you know, the announcers say, the most anticipated PAT ever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And, and oh man, I felt so bad because you know we all saw what happened on that PAT when they said that. But um, no, I mean I've had bad games. Uh, I, I never felt like I strung together more than you know one bad game. You know, um, I, I've had a game where I missed a couple cakes, and it was it was a crappy feeling. And it was the last game of the year, so I did not get to rebound from it immediately. My next season, you know, I, I missed two kicks in a playoff game when I was in Cincinnati in 2009. Um, very, very difficult situation to swallow. You know, having having had a long run in Cincinnati, a lot of success, a lot of uh, recognition in the community. I mean, I was scared to go to the gas station for, for getting wow. heckled. I mean, it was it was it was a low time, and that. You know, I I chose not to re sign because I had gone from being offered a five year extension to we never got we never met up on terms. I got franchised for that year and then I had that bad playoff game and it turned into a one year offer for, you know, whatever amount of money. And I just felt like it was in my best uh you know, in my better for me to go somewhere else at that time. And I ended up in New England that next season and filling in for an injured Doskowski and I made every single field goal that I attempted that season. So I had to deal with it, but I had a buffer. You know, I, I didn't have the, oh, God, what's going to happen next moment type thing. Mm-hmm. Well, Shane, I
0: want you to take me through the mind of a kicker because obviously when you look at that game Monday night and you see the the struggles that Brett Maher was going through and then all the noise he had to hear leading up to this game.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Is it is it difficult to see you see him in that position? Were you surprised that the Dallas Cowboys stuck with him?
1: You know, no, no, I'm not. And and the thing is, he had such a great body of work before that game that you had to feel like whatever it was he felt, and, and I've not heard any, uh, a, any commentary with interviews with him, so I don't know what he gave as an explanation, and I, I don't know what was said uh, from him. And I did not speak to him personally, so I do not know. But what happens in situations like that is, is you have to fight that temptation to let the outside um, variables matter. And, and what I mean by that is when you line up for a kick, your pure thought process is nothing but your routine and your process that you do every kick. And, and when you focus on so many little details of that routine, then you're able to kind of create like many distractions from those thoughts of, of, of the result. And what ultimately happens with, with golfers, with, with kickers, with people that perform a skill that's a very finite set of skills that typically don't have a lot of the variables of outside things like, you know, a a receiver has to deal with getting open, has to deal with running the correct route, but then the quarterback has to throw it to where he can catch it. There's so many things that come into play, whereas a kicker, it's, it's ultimately just you and the ball. and, 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 and I get it. You've got the hold and the snap and all that kind of stuff, but You ultimately have to repeat one movement so perfectly every single time that you have to be so locked in because the rest of the world thinks it's very easy to do because they just don't know. And you perform this skill so often so well that it has created this illusion that it's easy. But you know that you have to perform it well, and if you don't, you you may lose your job. So you have to go into it knowing that you do not have fear. If you have fear of the failure and the result of what you're going to do, then you've already created a, a losing scenario in your mind. So he has to reset, go back to square one, and just think about all the little details that leads you up to performance and execution and and that's really the only way to be successful whether it's your first kick in the NFL or your first kick after you missed four PADs in one game
2: Shane Graham is our guest he's a veteran of 15 NFL seasons as a kicker and Shane you had a tweet about Patrick Mahomes I'm going to read it if you are wondering how Patrick Mahomes (laughs) if you are wondering how Patrick Mahomes is more mobile in the second half After barely being able to walk before halftime, I'll give you two guesses and a new tape job ain't it. This was a very popular tweet, (laughs) Shane. Obviously, you're implying that there was some sort of injection given to Mahomes, which is absolutely the case. I mean, you look like a completely different quarterback in the second half. I'm sure you've seen this many, many times over your 15 years in the NFL. What do you think happened to Mahomes, and how do you think he's going to be affected
1: this coming week? You know, who knows? I mean there there are uh, there are miracles that I've seen happen with people, but if it's a high ankle sprain, um, and those interior sprains are very hard to come back from quickly, um, you know, I, I was giving that more along the lines of informative versus controversial, and I think it turned into. Um, you know, I, I, there there was a lot of activity on that tweet. I I recognized that yesterday at one point. I was like, holy crap, this has got a lot of activity. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I took toward all shots when I played. And a lot of players did. I took it because I had back issues my whole career. And I dealt with it every single day with exercises that are preventative for certain things and all that But on game day, I never wanted to take a chance that it was going to flare up on me. So I just made sure that, you know, if I took a Toradol shot, it would keep the edge away, you know. But um, Toradol, I don't really think would be enough to make that go away. And, you know, I've seen, I know people, you know, cortisone, uh you know, they try the topical lidocaine. Who knows what other pain pills or pain something they may have used. Um, it, it, it's common. There's there's no secret. We all know what happens. But, it, you know, it, it's crazy how you see him. You know, he can literally barely walk off the field. And then, you know, he's running for a first down. And he's still hobbling because obviously it's still going to hurt. But to see him run for a first down on that first drive, Uh, It was like, okay, he's had some help here. And, you know, most guys that are former players, they all realize, like, yeah, it probably gave him some Toradol, but who knows if he wasn't already on Toradol. But, you know, I I, I will say this. Whatever the doctors did for him, they did it knowing that it was safe to do so to certain degrees because – there are certain medications you take. You can't mix with other medications because it can create issues in the liver and kidney. And if, if they were afraid that the injury would get worse, they probably wouldn't do it that way either. So th- there were precautions, I'm sure, taken, but there is no doubt in my mind that there was, there was some additive that, that just was more than a tape job and more than take a couple Advil and go get them, buddy.
0: Well, it'll be curious to see what uh they decide to give him this weekend for him to play. Because uh, that's a tough thing that he's going to be battling through. But I guess we'll see. But Shane, I'm always curious to know the life and the mindset of a kicker. So... The perception of what people think kickers are, they're probably the least athletic on the team. And look, this is no disrespect or shot to you. I just i want to put a perspective Hey, it's a good
1: thing we're over the phone. I might have some issues with that.
0: (laughs) Okay, so so I just want to ask you, okay? What goes through your mind when you kick a ball on a kickoff and the guy breaks a run and he's running it into the end zone and you're the last guy that needs to make a tackle on this guy? Are you willingly yeah. trying to make a tackle on this guy, or are you just hoping to make a tackle on this guy?
1: No, I, I want to make a tackle every play. Wow. Okay. And, and so when when you kick off and, and, and he catches it, you immediately start thinking, first off, where are the indicators on the kickoff return team? Is the middle fullback or the left fullback or the right fullback, when you've studied film, do you notice that if a certain guy hangs in his position a little longer to let things develop, and then he goes and makes his kick-out block, or does he run all the way across the, the field to make a kick-out block first, that gives you indications of is this going to be a middle return, is this going to be a sideline return, is this going to be a counter bounce back to the field after trying to set a misdirection pick one direction to take it back the other way, Is there someone who's uh, a chipping short set on the front side of the play that's going to run across and drag to the other side of the field to block the safety if it is a counter? So I'm looking for all those things as well because I, I do my homework just like everybody else does their homework. And I don't know that every kicker does this, but this was part of my process. So once I've made those reads, I'm running down, keeping my leverage on the returner. And that way I'm in position the whole time. If he's running towards the sideline, I start to measure where, where do I want to angle myself so that I can keep myself between him and the space I'm going to need to have to tackle him. And once he gets to a certain point to the width of the sideline, I'm going to force him outside. So I'm going to try to keep my body on his inside shoulder so that he can't cut back on the field on me, and I have to force him to the sideline so it gives me a good angle so that I can drive my feet through him to make a tackle and force him out of bounds. Or if he's coming at me right up the middle, I have to leverage so that it still forces him to go one way, and the way that I'm going to try and force him is the way that I'm going to have the most help for my teammates chasing behind him. So... That mindset comes from just loving the game of football and and loving being able to be a guy that tackles. And when you make a tackle, even if it doesn't look that good, your teammates are still hyped up because they just don't. Typically expect it, right?
2: Kicker tackles. So well, boys I mean, get up yeah. for that. I mean, Shane, my, my partner Carlo here didn't realize that you were the Micah Parsons of kickers. I mean oh, just yeah, tackling everybody, sure. no one had a shot. If Shane Graham was coming at you, uh you were going down each yeah. and every time. It's so great to have you on the show. i uh, really appreciate uh you taking the yeah. time this morning. I know you got a lot of great stuff going on. You're training young kickers on how to make it to the NFL or at least be better nice. at their job. So uh, you're doing great things. Uh, again, we do appreciate you taking the time this morning. Thank you for this.
1: Absolutely, thank you.
2: All right, Shane Graham, 15 years in the NFL. It's, I mean, the, the think whole about tor- it, AK. Th- think about it, AK. Like the question I ask him is
0: legit because oh, literally, yeah. when when you're seeing a guy break through a kickoff return. You're looking for the kicker. You're like, okay, this has got to be the kicker's tackle. And they
2: don't always make or Remember, look like they can uh, make the tackle. Antonio Brown, before he went crazy. Oh, yeah, drop he, kicked him. When he <laughs> drop kicked, the I think it was the Cincinnati Bengals <laughs> kicker when he was with the Steelers. I mean, that's like one of the great highlights in yeah. NFL history. And that's kind of what you need to be concerned about. But there was a couple plays le- yesterday where I think it may have been um, gold. The kicker of brand yeah. saved one. But Tur- Turpin was returning it, and he kind of stopped him. So, um. Yeah, that's a, a major a major play in the game where you can make a big difference. Otherwise, it's going the other way for six. So yeah. uh, you better be trying to get in there. That's why you put the work wasn't in the it, gym.
0: Wasn't Luke Wilson – somebody was commenting on the fact that the kickers, all they do is they work out on their own and play ping pong. Yeah, Luke, it Wilson it? Luke Wilson yeah. hates kickers. It was, yeah, it was it him that was talking about it? <laughs> yeah. I
2: don't think Shane Graham would uh, see eye-to-eye with Luke Wilson on his role in the National yeah. Football League, but – a difference of opinion, if opinion is uh, is good sometimes. There was a big difference of opinion on Friday night between Shannon Sharp and the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, one of the craziest highlights you're ever going to see where basically Shannon Sharp's Hall of Fame tight end was essentially challenging Memphis Grizzlies. How does this, this do guy fight? not get suspended by his by his employer? Uh, that's a very fair question. We will uh, discuss that on the other side, and we'll also hear from Daryl Sutter, who had some very curious comments about a rookie making one of his, I think it was his, was his first appearance with the Calgary Flames. A lot of curious stuff going on in this. sports. Pelche, Plus. Jacob Pelche. Pelche. My yeah. FanDuel Best Bets coming up as well. Our number four of First Up continues. My FanDuel Best Bets in about 12 minutes for Potential Johnny Gaudreau revenge narrative tonight. He's back in Calgary for the first time. But Coco Friday, I mean, a very odd scene in L.A. The Lakers were hosting the Memphis Grizzlies and Shannon Sharp was sitting courtside. Shannon Sharp, if you don't know who he is, I mean, there's people including Dylan Brooks who called him a blogger, which I enjoyed. Uh, He hosts a show on Fox with Skip Bayless, you know, one of those classic American sports shows where they just yell at each other for an hour. And, is that uh, in, it's called Zach Interrupted Scott. or something like that? Uh, I don't even know what it is. What's called? First Things First or I don't know. Chrissy, do you know what it's called? Uninterrupted, it's called. Uninterrupted. Anyways, man. but prior to that, Shane Sharp's one of the best tight ends in NFL history, a Hall of Famer, uh, and he is enormous. I think the guy's like 55 years old, can bench four plates. Like he is as strong as it gets for a man of his age. And he gets into a yelling match with Dylan Brooks uh, of the Memphis Grizzlies, and Shannon Sharp's like waving him over, like, "Come and say this to my face." You had Steven Adams coming over. This is a guy on the sidelines. Like, can you imagine if that was you or I? <laughs> How yeah. quickly we would be ejected from the arena? Well, Shannon Sharp, I mean, no one really had issues with, with Shannon Sharp staying at the game, which I found to be completely preposterous, completely preposterous and so, I, I don't understand how it was it came to be whoever made the decision to keep to let him stay there but and I don't know who's at fault is it sharp is it the Memphis Grizzlies whoever but at the same time you can have a fan challenging players to no. fights and then keep the guy in the arena come on so what? this I have a lot to say about this
0: because LeBron commented on this and he basically came to Shannon Sharp's defense And it's kind of a two-faced comment from LeBron because for years, this guy has been saying that fans that sit courtside should not be allowed to be insulting or have any, you know, player interactions with the players. And if they do, they should be banned and kicked out of the game. And here he is standing on the podium, making a joke of it because it's Shannon Sharp. So it's kind of a two-faced comment from him. Look, there is no excuse it's actually inexcusable for shannon sharps actions of that game he should not use his status or his celebrity profile as an excuse for being able to do what he what he was what he was obviously guilty of doing in that game challenging an nba player walking onto the core of the field acting like the the the, the toughest guy in the world I, i'm sorry like there there, there shouldn't be a standard met for one and not the other. Shannon Sharp should have been ejected from that from that game, and Shannon Sharp should never be allowed to sit at a courtside event in the NBA. Again, if you're going to hold the fans to the same standard for those type of actions, why does he get a free pass in all this? Because let's be honest, he was trying to fight. Yeah. <laughs> he was challenging uh, John Steve Morant.
2: Was, yeah, John Morant. Jo- Whoever he was to a fight? fight.
0: Yeah. Like, are you yeah. kidding me right now? You well, work for Fox Sports. How does Fox <laughs> Sports tolerate this type of behavior? Oh, I think Fox Sports loves this type of behavior. Well, I mean, because they're, be getting, the most they're getting attention. Anticip- guess, guess, guess what everybody's oh. going to be watching. Yo, right? Yeah,
2: well, Dak Prescott's jerseys uh, that Skip Bayless was wearing throwing the garbage and Shannon Sharp almost inciting a brawl with a NBA team. But I think the reality is, man, Shannon Sharp could probably take every single member of the Memphis Grizzlies one-on-one if he wanted to. I'm not denying enormous, that. enormous. I'm not denying but it. it's completely unprofessional. And there are people who are pointing out, like, Drake on the sidelines at Raptors games. He's not challenging um, people to fight. Well, ex- exactly. And there was, like, some – there was some beef between he and the Golden State Warriors back in the title run uh, in 2019. He was – Talking trash with Draymond yeah. Green with You're Steph sitting Curry courtside, you're Durant. allowed to talk trash.
0: You're allowed to chirp.
2: Well, but you're not allowed I will to step say, you're not allowed to step on the court
0: and start challenging people to a fight. I'm sorry. Drake
2: gets away with things that other fans wouldn't get away with. He's also a global ambassador for the Raptors. But yeah, obviously what Sharp did. <laughs> so what I heard but, was that Higgins or
0: uh Ja Morant's T T Morant, I think his name is, his dad, yes. actually. Begged and encouraged the security to let him back in because he wanted to make amends for the whole situation and he wanted to make sure that that was getting the national attention is that there was peace that was made. Fine. Okay, great. It still doesn't excuse him from the action of him trying to fight an
2: NBA player on the court. Yeah. Like, come on. What are we talking apparently- about here? Shannon Sharpe will be making some comments at the beginning of the show. Maybe this was all, and you're, 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 you and I are both kind of in line with conspiracies. Maybe Shannon Sharpe knew exactly what he was doing. Maybe the ratings were a little bit low on Fox Sports on their show. And he's like, all right, between the Cowboys losing and me almost fighting an NBA team, we could really drum up some new right. business here. And uh, perhaps that's exactly what transpired. But, yeah, that was, that was a wild scene. A wild scene there. You do not see stuff like that happen no. often. And, and, I and don't say, get me wrong. Like, I wouldn't want to fight Shannon Sharp
0: either. The guy's <laughs> no, yes, He looks like <laughs> yes, an animal. Is.
2: Yeah, there's very few people on Earth he, at his age. Like, he's got to be in the 0.00001% of strength for 50-plus dudes. That's a guarantee. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, it's uh, it was something that's 20 special fingers
0: to the whole. says, maybe I should start a fight with one of the Leafs for us to get more attention. Well, why you know, would why I do that?
2: You know what? Here's what we can do. You can fight Spezza again. Remember, you already beat him up like 20 years he ago. He doesn't play anymore. I'm not going to do a walk well, go, into the whatever. box. Whatever. Go, go up into the, the box. Like, hey, dude, <laughs> Hey, Spezza, let's go. And yeah. then the cameras pan. Mike Johnson's like, oh, my God. Is that Carlo Gugliacomo beating the yeah. crap out of Spezza? Oh, my goodness. No. I have more than that. You don't want to do that? You, that. You're not, <laughs> you're not interested. That. Good idea from 20 fingers. That's the type of producing we need here at TSN Radio, Chrissy. Encouraging broadcasters to fight Maple Leafs to drum yeah. up ratings yeah, really go really very well. really, <laughs> really <laughs> responsible. Yeah, I think it's a little bit different here at TSN than it is on Fox Sports as far as the conduct uh, of a broadcaster.
0: A listener just texted in saying that Steven Adams, who by the way um, is no uh, is no pushover,
2: but uh, no, no, definitely not. He said he would wreck. Shannon Sharp. I don't think so. I don't think Um, so. I mean, it'd be good. It'd be good till Stephen Adams is a literal monster. He's like seven feet tall. But Shannon Sharp. It's a strong man right there. I mean, maybe that's something they could set up. You know how in the NFL, like I I remember Adrian Peterson's in some like boxing league now or Le'Veon Bell, too. Yeah. Where they after their careers are over? So when Sharp and, and the Fox Sports thing probably didn't
0: Le'Veon Bell get knocked out by somebody by I Jake Paul probably, or something? Maybe was, I, know, I can't keep track of who did, that who was that the sense.
2: former football player
0: that uh, or no it was the basketballers Nate Robertson got knocked out by somebody, didn't he?
2: Yeah, Nate, like five foot six, Nate Robertson. Yeah,
0: yeah. Oh, I hope there not. was a former former well, athlete well, that got knocked out by Jake Paul. I think it was was it Nate Robertson? You're, you're shaking your head, Nick. I don't know. Yeah. Turn on your mic,
2: Nick. Tell us the uh tell us the answer.
0: I know he fought Logan Paul for sure. I can't remember if he got knocked out, but he did fight Logan Paul in the oh, ring. Then it was and, him. Uh Le'Veon knocked out Adrian Peterson.
2: Oh, okay. Okay. Good. Sorry, Adrian Peterson. That's tough for you, buddy. Um wow, yeah, a lot of good stuff going on in the uh <laughs> in the world of uh whatever you want to call it, is boxing, I guess that would technically be boxing. It's amazing how far that sport has fallen considering like the most, the biggest names in boxing are like celebrity YouTubers. It's not the best, not the mm-hmm. best, but not the best at all. That's how things. Uh, that's how things go. Sometime my Fanduel best bets on the other side we will wrap up a busy Monday morning here on First Up next. All right, time now for today's best bets, brought to you by Fanduel. Betting all your favorite teams on the Fanduel sportsbook app let's start with tonight in calgary where johnny gaudreau and the blue jackets make their first appearance of the season johnny gaudreau's first appearance back in calgary now he's plus 250 to score oh it seems a little bit rich for me not a big goal producer but he does rack up the assists i want to take gaudreau to record an assist at minus 180. i'm also taking austin matthews to score tonight did not get it done for us on the weekend. Man, that Travis Kelsey Austin Matthews parlay looks so appetizing. Couldn't couldn't pot one. Could Austin Matthews on Saturday night, but he does get back on the board tonight. Minus 104. And lastly, I am a big fan of one play on the NBA slate. I like the under. In Memphis, Sacramento, 246.5? Are you kidding me? That's a big number, even for two high-scoring teams. Today's best bets brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Get your winnings fast when you download the FanDuel Sportsbook app today. Coco, what's going on the rest of the day in your life? Yeah, I'm not sure yet. Uh, The Mondays are always a busy day for me.
0: I uh, gotta get some stuff done after the show here, and then we'll see what the rest of the day uh, has in store for me.
2: Maybe buying a Brock Purdy jersey at some point today. Definitely, definitely. So I will got, definitely You still, ha- you still have, have that Chiefs jersey, by the way, that they gifted you, NFL Canada. Those I years don't. Ago? I thought
0: I gave it to you. No, no, no. I, I gave it matter. to somebody. I don't have it. No.
2: No, that's too bad. Well, I still. Have no, actually, I gave, so, so I so gave
0: good. it to my buddy's kid. He's a, he's that's a big. Nice. Uh, uh,
2: he, he likes collecting jerseys. What a nice guy! Like, you, yeah, are. you can have this. You're, a, you're yeah. a very nice guy. Here's a game-worn Carlo Koliakovo Chiefs no, jersey. It's not a game-worn. <laughs> well, that's it for us today. Thank you for listening. If you missed any of the show, including the Waste Management Keyword of the Day, it happened around – I actually can't really remember what time that was. Maybe it was in the, the nine, 9 o'clock, o'clock hour. hour. It was in the 9 really o'clock the nine. hour. So you're going to want to listen back there. And while you're there, subscribe to the First Stop podcast and – Give us a nice rating and a review as well. My rating for producer Slick Nick McVicker, five stars today. Excellent work. Thank you for your help today. 20 fingers. Some of the best humor I've ever seen from Christy Averro. I've known him for a long time. Made a couple great jokes in our commercial breaks. Keep up the uh, the good work, He just
0: loves taking shots at me. Oh, he like, does. He loves does. it. Well, like, it's because
2: he knows I like it, too. So but like
0: he, I, I he, last week, it was like tough to get him to smile like this. Today, I don't know if it's the haircut or the fact that the Bills lost. He is yes, just I think, glowing. I, I think just, it's the
2: Bills losing. Oh, 100% it's the Bills losing.
0: Is. That he's just yeah. loving every chance he can to take a shot at me today. Screw you, 20 fingers. Well, that's very rude. We
2: love 20 fingers. So thank you to you guys. Uh, Thank you to our audience. Uh, Golf Talk Canada on the other side. The season 13 premiere. Yes. Weeks. Zacchino. Scully. Back at it. Fired up for that. We'll be fired up tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. Karolnik Koliakovo. We'll talk to you then.
0: Ciao. You two will always be all-stars in my book.